Balcony. We have people in the balcony. Yeah. Woo. Free donuts for anybody who sat in the balcony. There's... <laughs> I don't even know if there are any donuts left. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just, that was totally spontaneous. All right, come back next Sunday and say, I sat in the balcony and, and I'll buy you a donut if you sat in the balcony. There you go. There you go. Wow. Well, we're super excited and totally honored, and I mean that, totally honored that you are here with us this morning. And I, I know what it's like to go someplace where, you know, it's like for the very first time and it's a little unnerving and all of that. Someplace where you're, you know, you're not entirely sure what's going to happen next. You know, you sit near an exit, you know, sit, sit on the end of the row because you never know, right? Keep one eye on the stage and one eye on the door and one eye on the, how many eyes do you have? Anyhow, that's, that's just creepy. All right. Uh, we usually do two services and we plan this big day around inviting our friends to join us for one service to give us a, a picture of, of you know, of what this place could look like uh, each and every week. And we do this each and every week. And the band fires it up like that each and every week. And, uh, yeah, so that's what, you know, you can expect that kind of stuff. And uh, we do most of our Sundays here at Moncton Wesleyan are done in, in series, which means we take a topic and we run with that till we think people are sick of it. And then we move on to another, you know, we run it for like four or five weeks, and when it's just about out of life, then we move on to another series. So this is the last week of the Comeback series. This is obviously Comeback Sunday. Next Sunday, we move on to a brand new series called Living the Dream, which you really, you've got to say that with the right amount of sarcasm. You know, you really got to say, you know, man, just living the dream. Like, living the dream, man, you know. That's the way you got to say living the dream. You just got to kind of roll your head, you know, you know, man, just living the dream. And uh, so that's the series. Next week, we're going to be talking about, you know, why am I here? You know, is it just to live the dream? Uh, what is the purpose of my life? How do I live the dream when I'd really rather just scream? And so that's it. That's our series next week. And in our comeback series, we've been looking at people of the Bible who took their setbacks and turned them into comebacks. And maybe that's been true about you. Uh, we saw that with Glenn this morning in the baptismal tank, you know, where he took all of his setbacks. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, it was great that we, we, we kicked off the series, actually, with a crazy, ridiculous baptism. And then we ended the series with a baptism, kind of pretty cool bookends to the whole series. And we'll baptize people uh, every Sunday. Any Sunday that somebody wants to be baptized is a good Sunday, I think. So we're happy, happy to do that. Um, And so we've been looking at people who turned their setbacks into comebacks, people who refused to lose, people who found themselves in a situation that maybe they they didn't want to be in, they wouldn't have chosen for their lives, uh, whether they caused it themselves and it's it's their own problem, or whether it's just something that that life dealt them. And uh, and then they heard God calling them to make a comeback, and they made their comeback often against ridiculous odds. And some of you might not have seen yourself making a comeback uh, even to church this morning, right? Like two weeks ago or a month ago, if someone had said, oh yeah, you'll be, you'll be sitting in a seat at Moncton Weston Sunday morning, you might not have seen that coming, right? You might thought, hey, you're nuts because that, that just ain't gonna happen. And maybe you had to overcome, you know, huge obstacles and, and barriers uh, to make it here this morning. And uh, it seems like 
you know, when, when, when you're trying to get out to something like this, just everything goes wrong. It's just, it's, you know, sometimes just a very difficult morning to try to, try to make it, but you're, you're here. Maybe you can't even believe it that you're, that you're actually here. You know, you feel like, like calling somebody, calling a friend. It's like, you'll never guess where I am right now. I'm in church on a, on a Sunday morning, and I'm not dead. It's not my funeral. Like, I'm, I'm actually in church. If you want, like if you've got people who you know just won't believe you, you can come up on the stage and take a selfie with me <laughs> as, as proof, like evidence. Um, I'll sign the back of your phone or something like that. You can tell people, like, no kidding, like I was there uh, on Sunday morning. So we started our series um, five weeks ago with, with Joseph, way back in the book of Genesis. Then we did Moses. Then we did uh, David, King David. Then last Sunday we did Peter. And today we're going to wrap up our series with the great, greatest comeback in the history of history. All of history is his story. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're dead, and everyone knows that you're dead, like you are dead. You're dead, dead, down, you know, been to Ferguson's, down to Fairhaven. You're dead. And everybody knows, like, you are dead. And then three days after that, you think, well, I'm done being dead. I've, I've been dead. I've, I've you know, been dead enough, and I'm done being dead. And now you're walking around in flesh and blood, high-fiving people. You're drinking coffee, and it's not leaking through you. This is not the, the, an episode of the, the Walking Dead. You're 100% alive. That's, that's, that's a pretty cool comeback. And there's a book in the New Testament that we refer to as um, Acts. Not Acts like a body spray for juvenile men. Not, don't raise your hand. Oh yeah, I put that on this morning. I'm full of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Acts like A-C-T-S. These, these are the acts of the very first followers of Jesus. Uh, the very first churches. Uh, they're the acts of God right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the, the fifth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And it's in chapter 2 of Acts where Peter gets the attention of a crowd, and he gets his preach on, and he starts reminding the people of Jesus' comeback, and then he invites the crowd to make their own comeback. And so we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 2. We're going we're to hop three different places this morning. But we're going to begin in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 22, 23, and 24. Here we go. Peter, preaching to the crowd, he says this, People of Moncton, listen! God, people of Israel, listen! God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Back to verse 22. People of Moncton, listen. When Peter says that, that God publicly endorsed Jesus, let's just get it here on the big TV. When, when, it's, when Peter says to the crowd, he says, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus. When Peter says that, what he's saying is that he's reminding everyone of all the, the phenomenal, remarkable, 
undeniable miracles and ministry of Jesus. And Peter's saying, hey, some of you saw that stuff. Some of you were there, or some of you heard it firsthand from, from someone else that was there. This was a publicly endorsed ministry. There would have been eyewitnesses in the crowd and others who heard these stories firsthand from, from friends and relatives who said, man, you sh- it was nuts. You should have seen it. It was crazy what Jesus was doing. And so there would have been that whole firsthand thing going on. So Peter is confident about his message because he knows that it's, it's really quite irrefutable. It's solid. And he knows like if there's any, any hecklers in the crowd, if somebody calls out, says, ah, ah, that's nonsense. Someone say, no, 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 dude. Dude, like I was there and I saw it with my own eyes. Think of, uh, I, I know, I wrote, I wrote this down in my notes. And I thought, this is not really a nice thing to, to do to people, but do it anyhow. Play along with me. Think of a loved one in your life that has passed away. Think of a loved one in your life that has passed away. Okay, now you've got it. My father passed away about a year and a half ago. If someone doubted uh, the existence of, of Clinton Guptill, well, for one, his twin brother's still alive, so we could we just say, well, it looks just like that dude right there. But if someone doubted his, that, that he ever even existed, if they scoffed and they said, I don't think he was a real man. I think it was a myth. I, I think it was, these are just stories that that people made up. I could find eyewitnesses that saw him with their own eyes. I could call James Cameron, that James Cameron, and I could say, James, did my father take you to the Titanic site before you made the movie? And James said, yeah, absolutely. In fact, we drank a lot of coffee together, and he told me that he was the captain of the supply ship the night the Ocean Ranger sank off Newfoundland. He was the captain of the supply ship to the Ocean Ranger the night he sank off Newfoundland. told me that story. It's fascinating. I could call Fidel Castro, my good friend. <laughs> I could call Fidel and I could say, Mr. Castro, did you and my father spend an afternoon together on a ship in Cuba talking baseball, politics, and religion? And he would say, yeah, of course we did. We even have a Polaroid photo of the two of us in my wheelhouse of, of that ship, arm in arm, like a, like a couple of buddies. And those things sound crazy, but they really happen. And there are eyewitnesses alive who could say, oh, pff, I was there. I was aboard that ship. I saw that with my own eyes. I know, I know for sure that it happened. Verse 23. Verse 23, let me read it. But God knew what would happen. Talking about, about Jesus being arrested and, and being crucified. God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. God knew what would happen. And even though God knew what would happen if he sent Jesus into this messed up world to come rescue a bunch like us, he allowed it to happen because something good was going to come from it. Our salvation. Now, I wish I could explain all the mysteries of God. I, I simply can't. This little clamshell from Graham and Anne is not capable of figuring out all the mysteries of, of God or to understand all of God's ways. There's, there's just going to be things that we're not going to be able to understand or figure out. We simply don't get to see the big picture of life. There will be stuff that will happen in your life that will not make sense, and it'll make you question everything. And you'll think, well, 
well, how could God do this? And how could God do that? And how, you know, why is this happening? There will be stuff that, that I won't be able to make sense of. You won't be able to make sense of. In this verse of scripture tells us that, that God knew all along. It was his prearranged plan. This is how it was, it was going to happen. And there will be pain in your life. There will be grief. There will be unanswered questions. There will be health issues, relational issues, financial issues, and on and on and on. And it goes. I mean, coming to Jesus Christ doesn't mean that your life is about to be perfect from here on in. It just means you're going to be forgiven. You're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. So, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm not really loud. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, I like that. Because the people who are applauding, applauding are the ones who know that to be true in their life. That, hey, it's still, it's tough and it's rough and stuff happens, but I have a faith in God. And, and, I, have, and, I, and I know that I have a relationship with him in spite of all that stuff. That happened. That's why those people were, were applauding. They weren't applauding, oh, that's what, what wonderful preaching. That's not what they were applauding. <laughs> Believe me, that's not what they were. They were applauding saying, I know that to be true in my life, and I'm just going to say thank you, Lord. That's, that is, that's true in my life. That's why they were applauding. Okay, every once in a while they do applaud the preacher, but it's not. not oh, ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> 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 Okay, so there will be stuff, things that will shake your faith and make you wonder. And, I'm, and you're here this morning. I have you. You're a captive audience. Thank you for coming to church this morning. Let me give you a word of hope. I hope you'll receive it. Let me give you a word of hope that God knows. It's right there in verse 23 of Acts chapter, two, Acts chapter 2 that God knew what was going to happen all along. And God knows what is happening in your life. He sees your situation. He has not forgotten you. He's familiar. God is familiar with grief and pain and watching a loved one go through something horrific. And even if the pain doesn't go away, and if all the questions aren't answered, I want to encourage you this morning to keep trusting, to keep believing, and to open your life up to the presence of God that can bring new life out of any situation. He can bring new life out of the most hopeless of situations. And just because something doesn't make sense to us and we don't have all the answers, that doesn't mean that God is not aware of our circumstance and that he cares for you. Even though you can't figure it out and you think, well, why is this happening? Even though it doesn't make sense right now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't see you, that he doesn't care for you, and and he's aware. Okay, verse 24. Verse 24. But God released him, that's Jesus, from the horrors of death, and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Released him from the horrors of death. God can release you. God can release you this morning from anything, from any horror, from, it, from whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through. God can release you from that. God can raise your life back to life today. He can breathe new life into your situation. And you thought, well, this is hopeless and I don't see a way out of this and I'm just going to have to live with this for the rest of my life. No, 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 no. The truth of the resurrection is that God can release his son from the horrors of death. He can release you from anything, whatever you're dealing with. And, and nothing can hold you in its grip when God releases you. I mean, that's the good news. That is the good news of the gospel right there. That's why, I mean, that's why we love coming to church. It's good news. Nothing can hold you in its grip when Jesus Christ releases 
you. This is why we do what we do. This is why we have comeback Sundays with, with dunk tanks and carnival games and all the, all the fun stuff that we're giving away free flights. We encourage people to invite others. The reason why we do things like this is because we want an opportunity, frankly, to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. We believe that it can set you free. Look, you heard Glenn's uh, testimony this morning. God can release you from any addiction, any fear, anything that has held you as a prisoner, anything that has been robbing the joy out of your life and and keeping you from from living in, in freedom and joy. God can reach deep into any situation and he can pull you out of that grip and he can breathe new life into you, releasing you, restoring you, uh, bringing new life back into what was broken, a broken relationship, or any area of your life that you open up to the work of God. God can, God can breathe new life into that. Now, listen carefully. God didn't just set Jesus free because that was his son hanging on a cross. That's not it. Which, which any of you would do for your children. You'd think, oh my word, I've got I've to do something. God didn't just set him free from death because that was his son. He didn't just set him free from death to, to, to make a point or, or to, you know, to throw it in the Roman's face or any, any, anything like that. God set Jesus free so that one day you would ask Jesus to set you free. That's it. That's it. Right there. Jesus came back from the dead so that you could come back to life. Jesus came back from the dead so that you could come back to life. That's, that's the whole point of everything. That, that's, that's the point of history. That's been God's prearranged plan, as, as it says here in the scripture, right from the, right from the very beginning, that you'd be in an environment like this where, where you'd have an opportunity to make that decision, where you could come back to life, where you'd invite God to, to come into your life and to set you free. That's, that's really the whole point of it all, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So that, that's the symbolism of baptism, so that you could rise and, and live for him and have new life uh, in Jesus Christ, that's the point of it all. That is the most important decision you'll ever make. You'll make some doozies. I mean, I stood in the stage of the Life Center yesterday and married a couple, and that's a big decision. Like, who will I marry, right? Who am I going to spend the rest? Who do I like enough? Who do I love enough that I could actually live with them for the rest of my, my life? Like, that's a pretty big decision. Where you live, uh, what you'll do for a living, where you'll go to school, what career you will choose. Those are all, those, those are doozies. I'm not down, those are, those are big ones, but the whopper of them all is who will I serve? That's the biggest one. Who will I serve? Who will I follow? Who will I trust with my life? So Jesus came back from the dead so that you could come back to life. Okay, let's jump down to verses 32 and 33. God raised Jesus from the dead. Man, again, picture it. It's a huge crowd. And uh, Peter's, Peter's preaching his face off here. Verse 32. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all, Peter says, we're all witnesses of this. And now he is exalted to the highest place of honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, just as you see and hear today. So in verse 32, Peter says, we're all witnesses to that. And, and, and what Peter's doing in that, at that moment in his, in his sermon is brilliant, really. I mean, it, it's fantastic communication. 
And it's very helpful for us this morning as well because Peter's getting people to just focus on one thing. Focus on one, one issue, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and what happens is when you're in a setting like this and, and you're hearing all of this and someone invited you to church and on and on it goes and all of that, and you're, you're trying to sort out everything in your mind all at once. And the closer you get to Jesus, you can, get, you can start to get distracted by a whole bunch of other things. And so what Peter's doing in his sermon, I'm, I'm about to do in my sermon, um, he's like, focus, focus, focus. Just, just, let's just talk about the resurrection. Don't, don't get distracted on all the other stuff. And, and people get, get distracted, right? And they can think, well, I, you know, I like Jesus. I just don't like his followers, <laughs> right? Nobody here has ever met a weird Christian. You ever met an annoying Christian? You ever met a Christian and thought, oh my word, like what in the world? Right? So, well, I may as well say it. We all know it's true. So, so you might be thinking, yeah, you know, it, it sounds good. I like Jesus. I just, I just <laughs> got some weird followers. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm into that. Um, or you might think, I like Jesus, but I don't like religion. Most of, most of Jesus' followers don't like religion either. And by the way, he didn't come to start a religion. It wasn't like he formed a new religion when he came. It's, that, that wasn't it at all. Um, you think, well, I don't like this, and I don't like that. And, and you keep, that's what happens, and you get distracted. And before you know it, instead of coming closer to Jesus, you're just kind of backing away, and you're just kind of thinking, maybe another time, I don't know. It's just too much stuff, just too much stuff. And, and so Peter, he, he draws everyone's attention. He says, come on, let's just think about the resurrection. He says to the crowd, we're all witnesses to the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. Maybe Peter can read the crowd, uh, and he knows he's got to keep them focused. And he brings it back to the fact that there were hundreds of eyewitnesses that were still alive. And um, so he's like, if anybody here wants, wants to dispute that Jesus was ever a real person, or that he was crucified, or that he did all those miracles... I mean, he's confident because he knows he's got hundreds of eyewitnesses right, right there in the crowd. Um, verse 33. Um, now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. Where's Jesus now? Gone. God took him. He came. He conquered. He completed his mission. And God got him out of here. And uh, earlier that day in the text, like if you go back to the beginning of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, um, earlier that day, God brought in the Holy Spirit. And I mean, if you think our band was loud, and if you think the lights were something, I mean, it was, read it. It is, it is, it is a phenomenal story. God bringing in the Holy Spirit, literally blowing the doors off the place, and um, gave them the over-the-top over encounter with the Holy Spirit so that we would have the presence of God with us as our helper, our counselor, uh, a reminder of, of God's presence until we see Jesus again face to face. So that all happened in Acts chapter 2. It's crazy. It's crazy. You need to read it this afternoon. It's awesome. Okay, verse 36. Verse 36. So, Peter says, let everyone in Moncton, I mean, sorry, I keep saying, let everyone in Israel know. Let everyone in Israel know for certain, and you can know for certain this morning, that God has made this Jesus, whom we all crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? 
Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by our Lord, our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. That's my favorite part. Hope you brought a snack. <laughs> Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 and all. The baptism tank is still full. We can line up now if you want. <laughs> that would be, that'd be exciting. That'd be exciting. Okay, okay, all right, stick with me. Somebody just thought, oh, now it's getting weird. Now it's getting, he's going to make us all line up. No, I'm not going to make you. I'm joking. My name's Tim. Welcome to church. I'm, I'm your friend, and, I, and I'm just horsing around. I'm, we're not going to line up. Okay. So, but there is some, some really, really awesome stuff here. Okay, verse 37. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Peter's words pierced their hearts. The book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. Uh, he also wrote another book that was called Luke. And Luke was a doctor and one of the disciples of Jesus. And Luke is, Luke is very detailed. He's one of those detail-oriented people. doesn't miss a thing. If you like details, read the book of Luke. Read the book of Acts. He gives you all the details. And this word pierced. The Greek word that Luke uses here is a word that we use for either uh, pierced or, or pricked. Pierced or pricked in our language. And it is, this is the word. Let's throw it up here. This, you're going to learn a little Greek this morning. You can tell people, wow, I went to church and I learned, and I learned some Greek. And we, we broke it down for us. Broke it down actually for me. Katanusomi. Katanusomi. Okay? That's the Greek word that Peter used for pierced or now, the interesting thing about this word is that this is the only time that word is used in Scripture, which, which makes me wonder, like, wow, like, what kind of a word was that? This is the only time it's ever, ever found in, in Scripture. And the definition of katanusomi is, once I find it in my notes, it means to pain the mind sharply. Pain the mind sharply. My preaching has been known to pain people, but not necessarily in their minds. And so Luke, when he's writing this, he's thinking back to how the people responded when Peter was preaching. And, 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 and the way that the truth got into people's hearts and the look on their faces and their reaction to this this, this truth of the resurrection. And he picks a word that obviously isn't used very much, but it adequately describes their response. That they're, they're, Luke writes and he says, you know what? When, when Peter preached the truth about the resurrection, he says their, their, their minds were pained sharply. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, you're like bending my brain. It's like, oh, like ah, wrestling with it. Just kind of like, what do, I, what do I do with, what do I do with this? In other words, the truth of the resurrection of Jesus pierced through everything. 
in people's lives. And they knew that they had to respond to it. It got through all of their defenses, right? Like there's some people right now and they're thinking, okay, he's been preaching for a while. He's about to land the plane. Something's coming. Time for me to stack bricks. Build my wall. And, and, and what Luke says is, it went right through that. They couldn't build a wall. It just pierced through. And it just, just caused them to think, what do, I, what do I do with this? And it caused people to think of all the reasons why, why they hadn't been following Jesus. It cut through the, the garbage and the misconceptions and the fears and the religion and all that stuff. It got right to the heart of the matter. What do you believe about the resurrection? Who do you believe Jesus really is? And what will you do about it today? Verse 38. Verse 38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, there's a word in there that I, I know that the word repent is like, oh, I know it's a strong word because the word repent immediately makes you think, of a televangelist coming through your screen and, and, and just shaking you, right? It kind of gives you that image of, of, a, of something, you know, someone who's, who's after you or kind of, you know, or angry Christians in three-piece suits who want to put you through the Bible thumper 5,000. You know, that, that, there's that word repent. It's kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We don't have a Bible thumper 5,000, by the way. We, we got rid of that a long time. Repent simply means turn. And I know it's kind of a word that can, you know, ow. It simply means turn. And, and so they all did. You know, not just the really bad people. So like looking through the crowd. Okay, all the murderers come out first, you know. And, and all the thieves. Where are all the thieves? All the thieves. You guys get out there to the front. It wasn't, it wasn't like, it's like everybody. They all knew. We're all, we're all the same on this. They knew they all had to repent because they know and we know, don't we? That we've all sinned. And we all need to come back. We all need to turn. So they baptized around 3,000. That's not a bad day. We could baptize, you know, 1,500 or so. Um, Luke says they were baptized and added to the church. And I, let's not miss that. Added to the church. They became part of a fellowship, part of a community, part of a, part of a church. And so here it is. I want to give you the same opportunity that Peter gave that crowd that day. This is, this is your comeback opportunity. The, making a comeback isn't just coming to church. This right here is your comeback opportunity. And again, clear away all the distractions and, and, just, and just focus on the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. You aren't saying... Yes to a church. This is not about Moncton Weston. You're not saying yes to a church. You're not saying yes to a certain group of people or, or even to a religion. It's, it's believing that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. He was crucified, he was buried, and he was resurrected so that we could choose to know him, to believe in him, and to follow him as our Savior. Jesus came back from the dead so that we could come back to life. And now is the time to make your comeback. Now, again, nothing, nothing crazy is going to happen. Well, it will be crazy, but I'm not going to ask you to do anything uh, really weird. 
But I do want to give you an opportunity to respond. Um, some here this morning uh, need, have, have had a relationship with Christ at one point in your life. And it's gone cold. It's distant. It's, it's, you, just, you just haven't been where you need to be spiritually. And you know that. I, you, know, you don't need a preacher to tell you that. You know that. And, and you're here this morning and, and, and God's spirit is speaking to you about that. And, and he's simply just inviting you to come back. Just, just come back. Let's, let's, let's get back to where we were. And uh, let's, let's get this relationship where it needs to be. And you need to respond that way this morning to, to come back to, to that relationship. Some of you have never had a relationship with Christ. Some of you this morning for the very first time, uh, this is the moment right here where for whatever reason, God has helped you get to a point where you believe. And you're, and, and you're ready. You're, you're like, yep, I, I can see it now. Jesus really is the Son of God. And, uh, and, and I'm ready to take that, that step of faith. I'm ready to, to say that I will, I, will, I will follow him. I will serve him. I will invite him to come into my life. Uh, he will be first in my life. He'll be Lord of my life. And, and I, will, I will follow. Don't think of it as becoming a Christian or something like that. Think of it as, as, as believing. Think of it as believing today that Jesus really is God's son, that he died on a cross for you, that he was raised and he rose again, that his presence is here right now, and he's giving you this opportunity to make a comeback. So to be perfectly clear, uh, I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. There's nothing special about my prayer of salvation. What is special is your decision and your prayer between you and, and God. But I'm just going to make it clear and help people pray. You can pray this prayer in your heart with me. You can pray it out loud, whatever you, whatever you want to do. After we pray, if today is a day when this is the day for the first time in your life you've made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've prayed that prayer with me, you've invited him to come into your life, then I am going to invite you to take a stand for Jesus to stand your feet. We've been doing this for weeks at Month of Wesleyan. It's really quite thrilling. Uh, we love to do it for a couple of reasons. We, we want you to take a stand and go make, make a public statement. But we also want to be able to cheer for you. We want to be able to applaud. We want to be able to know that, that, that uh, people are making these decisions for Jesus Christ. Someone will, when you stand, someone will come and they'll just simply give you a smile and a little bit of information. That's, they don't want to freak anybody out. They're not going to, you know, they're not trying to get your social insurance number or anything like that. They're just, they're just going to hand you some helpful information. Are we okay? Let's pray together. God, I just thank you this morning, Lord, that, that you are here. And that, God, you, you wove together this whole comeback series. Uh, you, you put all of this together long before any of us ever saw it. And you put this comeback Sunday together. And the invites and everything, Lord... And, and, and Lord, you even invited by your Holy Spirit uh, people to be here this morning. And, and I know, we know this morning, Lord, that, that this is the opportunity for many this morning to make their comeback to you. And so right now in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would help people to, to pierce through, to allow your Holy Spirit to pierce through, to to not get distracted by all those other things and to simply focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
and, and you speaking to them right now, inviting them to come back. And so, Lord, I'm going to pray this prayer for anyone who's here this morning and they realized up to this point they've not been a follower. They've, they haven't made that decision to, to trust you as their Savior. And I invite them to pray with me. They can pray it in their hearts. They can pray it out loud if they want, simply saying, Jesus, today I believe that you really are the Son of God. You're here right now. And Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sin, that you were buried, dead, and yet you rose again as God the Father breathed new life into you. And I'm inviting you right now, Sunday morning, October 5th, at Moncton Wesleyan Church to come and breathe new life into me. Jesus, I'm saying right now that I accept, I invite your forgiveness and I accept your presence into my life. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive any wrong that I've ever done? Would you make me a new, a new creation, your child today? Would you bring your Holy Spirit into my life, helping me to live for you and to serve you and to trust you and to follow you with the rest of my life? Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity this morning, this comeback Sunday, when I can make the ultimate comeback and become uh, your child and, and to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Lord, I also pray for those here this morning who have uh, drifted, they've been away from where they know they need to be spiritually, and they're, they're making a comeback this morning spiritually. God, we honor that. We rejoice with that. We're so thankful for that. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, empower these people to never look back and to serve you all in, all out, full-heartedly, uh, as hard as they can for the rest of their lives. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, this is the fun part. For those of you who prayed that prayer with me, that first decision, before you walked into this place, you didn't know where you're at with God, you didn't know what you thought about all of this stuff, but, but God met you here this morning, and you prayed that prayer with me. Today's the day that you crossed that line of faith, and you became a follower of Jesus Christ today. If that's you, if that's you, would you stand to your feet so we can cheer for you and applaud for you and welcome you uh, is that's you, just go ahead and stand right now. Stand to your feet so we can celebrate that with you. Go ahead. Just one. Down back. Just stay on your feet. Stay on your feet because they want to give you something. People in the balcony. Anybody else? Just stand to your feet wherever you are. They'll come. They're good. Thanks. Now you can be seated. Anybody else? Sometimes after that first wave, somebody just digs deep and they say, okay, I didn't have the guts, but I got the guts now. And then they stand to their feet. Yeah, like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's exciting. Oh, they're doing the wave over here for you. All right. Okay, we're not going to drag this on. We're not going to sing 72 verses of Just As I Am, but is there anyone else? I mean, I'm not in any rush. I want to give you an opportunity. If you needed that third call or 
the fourth call just to get up the nerve. Amen. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'm a wreck now. I can't see anything. That's great. Are we good? Okay. Oh, is there somebody else? In the balcony. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. God bless the balcony. That's awesome. You do know the Holy Spirit can, can even go to the balcony. It's crazy. Anyone else? Anyone else? Are you at church today? Have you talked to someone this week that says church is dead? Yeah. There <laughs> to go. And a hug. Church is not dead. Church is not dead. God's not dead. Church is very much alive. I don't know what to do now. I'm like, I just, you know, I just. Last thing I want to do is walk off the stage early. If there's more people who are, see, right there. There we go. Good for you. Good for you. There we go. She needs a hug. Yeah, somebody hug that girl. There you go. Somebody hug that girl. I wasn't telling the usher to hug her. She had girlfriends right there. That's what I was... All right. Man, this place is weird. Okay. All right. We're ready? I'm not Russian, obviously, but we're ready. We're good. Wow, that's awesome. Um, don't go anywhere because someone's going to win the flights. We're going to sing a worship song. Then I'll, I will be back up um, to close the service and uh, tell you about some of the fun stuff we're going to be doing after the service. Pastor Jay, I think we're ready to worship. That's awesome. Let's all stand.